you do sleep in some pretty beautiful locations. Like sometimes you just wake up and you're in the middle of nowhere. You're just like out in some fields or out in the mountains or you can camp on a nice lake. And it's just like, this is, this is high end living. And it's just, this is a beautiful spot and there's nobody else around or sometimes there are people around, but, uh, yeah, I think the the amount of place cool places you can sleep definitely make the shitty places you sleep worth it. Hi everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 26 of the Learn with Lyle's podcast. You may know that I recently went to Tofino, British Columbia for a surf trip. While I was there, I met this super cool guy named Bron Lupin who is truly unlike anyone I've ever met before. Brom likes to go for day-long runs, like he literally will run for the whole day. He's an avid hitchhiker. He's traveled to 40-something countries. And unlike most people, on his trip, Brom will opt to sleep in a hammock and just bike around with little money and no itinerary. Um, and then finally, Brom lives in his van. I feel like there are a lot of interesting things that I could have talked about with Brom, but for this episode, we focused on van life. So how he built the interior of his van and how much time and money that took, what made him decide to live this nomadic life, and the highs and lows of life on wheels. We also spoke a little bit about his bike trip in Africa, which was extremely interesting and very dangerous. Think big cat encounters and heat stroke. If you've ever considered living that van life, or if you just want to hear some stories from a super adventurous guy, then this episode is for you. It was actually recorded in Brahms van slash home, which was honestly very cozy and super nice, and to my mother's dismay, I feel like I'm considering following Brahms footsteps. I will let you know if I end up buying a van, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode with Brahm Lupin. Um, thank you for being on my podcast. For our listeners, uh, do you mind introducing yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm Brom, and uh, I'm 23 years old. Originally from Ontario, but I've just been cruising around the last couple of years, and then I've just got the van about a year ago. So just touring Western Canada, and now this is currently my home, I guess, in Tofino for the time being. Yeah. Ooh. Until I find somewhere else. Thanks. Yeah, and so I met you last week here in Tofino because we were hostile roommates. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I wanted to have you on my podcast because you're living that van life. So I figured it'd be like cool to talk about that. And you've also traveled a shit ton. So and have done like lots of trips that are like unlike anything I've ever heard. So I feel like it'd be interesting for people to hear about that too. Just, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, maybe. Yeah, you had somebody finds life. that inspiration in it. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, so yeah, I want to start off like talking about the whole van life thing. Alright. So, yeah, tell me a bit about that, like how long you've, you kind of mentioned it before, but like how long you've been doing this and uh, all that. So I got the van almost probably last October, so it's been just over a year. And then I drove back across Canada to Ontario to build it out at my dad's workshop. Spent a couple weeks doing that. And uh, yeah, drove and then drove it back to Banff where I usually live and kind of toured around the states for a couple weeks as I worked my way over there slowly oh that's cool and then yeah moved into the van in the middle of winter in Banff which was probably not the greatest idea but oh my god (laughs) it was exciting and uh yeah it was definitely cold because my heater died on my trip (laughs) back to Banff and I just never got it fixed I haven't haven't committed to fixing it yet. I probably should get around to that at some point. But uh, so I lived in the van kind of all winter, and then as soon as COVID hit, it started getting a little trickier. Like living in the van because gym showers were closing, and oh, I, was, true. I was kind of getting over it. <laughs> so then I moved into a house for the winter or for the summer, but uh, still did kind of trips every weekend I had, and then now I'm back in the van, just touring around, mm-hmm. looking for another place to live heaterless as winter is coming that's why i'm in tofino because it's warmer here so yeah that's true that makes sense i can i can comfortably sleep in the van here yeah and uh yeah not worry about it getting to minus 30s minus 40s because i don't think that happens here so true it does rain a lot though 
Yeah, and that's another thing I discovered the other day, that my van's not super watertight. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress because it's an old van. It's 40 years old, so mm-hmm. constantly uh, repairing it and fixing it. Now I'm going to have to fix my running boards because we just crunched those. But <laughs> oh, no. Yikes. <laughs> oh, well, it's a, it's a constant project, but that's kind of why I bought an old van because... I'm not super mechanically inclined, but it's it's taught me some things. Yeah, and now you're a, forced to. Yeah, it's a patience. It's a teacher of patience. You have to slow down and figure your shit out. Yeah, learn true. some stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, what made you like decide to buy a van and do all this in the first place? Uh well, actually, a van for me was an upgrade, which I think for most people <laughs> oh it's a downgrade. <laughs> but I was just kind of hopping around for a couple of years kind of bouncing place with a backpack only so yeah buying a van i could like actually get more possessions so you were is, like homeless <laughs> i wasn't really homeless i just kind of like wasn't stationary like i'd move around banff and then go on a trip it's kind of anytime i had some money saved up i would go on a trip so i was probably traveling for six to ten months of the year for like, three years three four years that's amazing and then yeah i decided to get a van and now with covid it's kind of working out perfectly so i can explore canada Mm -hmm. and wait till the borders open back up to go back on another trip yeah true wow that's so cool um i didn't know that you were just like bopping around with a backpack before this (laughs) yeah like i'm not really not really in canada but uh i did was living in banff for a bit that was kind of my main thing in canada but then Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was either a backpack or yeah, on my bicycle. So, <laughs> like I told you, I was yeah in Africa. I've been around Europe, yeah, South America. So, moved around a lot. So this is more of a stationary life for me. So I'm enjoying it. You a get stationary more. life. It's a van. It moves. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's probably like not how many people would see it, but for me, it's like I can actually. This is about as close as I can get to a home for the moment. So yeah, that's cool. What do your parents think about all this? Ah, I think eventually, I think they've just kind of given up on me, probably. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. <laughs> no, but no, they they support it, and luckily uh, mm-hmm. they're very chill about it. Yeah, that's nice. I'm sure they'd prefer I was doing other things, but they've accepted, like, I'm happy doing this. So I think they kind of, like, well, at least you're doing something you like. And it's not it's not a long-term thing for me. Yeah, and I think I think if I told my parents I'm gonna live in my van for rest rest of my life, they'd be a little concerned. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think they're they're all right with it. Yeah, they, I think they'd prefer me living in my van in Canada than me living in some other countries that I've been to, which are a little less safe. And yeah, that's fair. Not living in my van, just true. Slumming it around. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm looking. I'm in the van right now, looking at it. But like for people who are just listening can you like describe the van and like uh what's in it how you created all of it well yeah when i, when I originally bought it it had like this because it was from the 80s so it was super retro but not in like a great way it had some weird kind of rusty carpets rust colored carpets and then it's <laughs> kind of like mildewy and has some weird kind of floor design and zero insulation so I knew building it out that I needed insulation. So that's why I completely gutted it down to the, the steel and then built it back out to insulate it so it's warm. So I could live in it in the wintertime and kind of... The the goal was to, to be like a little ski village or a little ski chalet so I could just hop around ski resorts and park in the ski parking lots. True, that's and cool. And just kind of live out of my van while having a mobile ski base. So yeah, I was kind of going for like a little log cabin wood vibes yeah i see it i feel it (laughs) that was my goal Mm -hmm. and yeah like i'm I'm still building it out it is a a work in progress i'm constantly adding things and taking things away figuring things what what works and what don't because it's my first time in a van so every day you're figuring stuff out something's like oh this doesn't work or this works or uh yeah you also have to fix a lot of things so it's constantly a battle with upkeep of maintenance of the van so but yeah no i guess i would describe it as like a little wood cabin on wheels yeah i see it and you've got like everything you need in here 
Yeah, I have a we have four burner stove, have an oven, which I've cooked in once, uh, <laughs> a sink, the bed. That's about all I need. Yeah. And all my uh, yeah ski gear, climbing gear. At the moment, some surf gear. Yeah, and, that's uh, so cool. Yeah. How long did it take you to like put all of this together? Uh, I don't know, probably like two, three weeks. I think I wasn't hmm. wasn't working on it super hard. I just kind of worked on it for an hour or two a day. And some days I had bigger days. Some days I just some days I just sit in here and kind of visualize what I wanted to do. So some yeah. days I didn't do any work. I just kind of came up with ideas. That's not a lot of time. Two to three weeks to do all this. I don't know. It's it's a small space. It's like probably a hundred square yeah. feet. True. So it's probably small for most people's living to, to pack everything you need to live mm-hmm. somewhat comfortably. <laughs> it's cozy. I like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you think it's cozy because that's what I was going for. Yeah. Yeah. I I truly like. I'm in here. I'm like. I want a van now. <laughs> I want to be a van girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slippery slope, but I, I would recommend checking it out. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a fun lifestyle. So did you, like, watch YouTube videos to figure out what to do, or, like, um, just Yeah, like, I, I, I looked some some websites, some YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and then kind of took inspiration from other places, like, I don't know, I was big into tiny homes or sailboats, oh, so yeah? I'd, like, cool. take little ideas from there, and then, yeah, fit that into my budget, because it was a pretty low-budget build. Mm-hmm. What was your budget, if I'm allowed to ask? Uh, I think, in total, to build it out probably cost me... 200 bucks 300 bucks that's unheard of how well because so a lot of the wood is reclaimed or is just kind of old scraps that were laying around so like my dad has a workshop so i got a lot of the wood from him just he wasn't using it or it was just kind of old stuff and uh yeah some was just kind of extra straps so it doesn't doesn't all really go together but two three hundred that's crazy kind of yeah that's amazing so yeah, it's all like different woods and just whatever I could find. Yeah. And yeah, luckily my dad had all the tools, so I didn't have to spend many money, much money on tools because I could just work in my dad's shop. Mm-hmm. He had all the tools, so. Wow. Yeah, no, there wasn't really a massive expense mm-hmm. when it came to building the van out. But like I said, there's yeah future. I have future upgrades. Obviously, I want to get better lights because they're currently dying in here with the solar <laughs> panel. I get, I'm going to need some more efficient bulbs living in Tofino, I think, because the True. the minimal minimal sun might have to up my solar power game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun. Yeah. Constantly working on it. That's so cool. So how have you been able to live, like, this nomadic life? Like, what is your, like, routine with work and travel and, like, how do you make it all happen? Uh, so I get, so I'm usually a cook that's, and that is, uh, I've lucky, I was lucky to have a couple jobs where they're pretty, pretty willing to whenever I wanted to go, they didn't have a problem with it. And then I do my trips and then I'd come back and if I wanted to, uh, the job was always there for me to take again. So that's nice. That's what I've been doing the last couple of years. I'm not stoked or passionate about cooking, but it's just something to, something to pay the bills and it. The lifestyle is is kind of good because you can you can go anywhere and cook, and uh, it's true. You can all, you can always leave. It's never it's not a it's not a high priority job for me. So if I'm not feeling it, I can just mm-hmm. leave and find somewhere else. Yeah. So like, how many months of the year do you usually work, and then how many mm. months are? Well, this this past year has been a little different because this is I've probably been working for almost most of the year, probably eight to ten months I was working mm-hmm. whereas before I would do I would kind of strictly work the ski seasons and then take the summers off so I'd work like four to six months and then take six to eight months off and wow that, that that's was, amazing that was kind of my balance for yeah I think three I did that for three years mm-hmm. and uh yeah now I'm just kind of figuring out I will need a job at some point because the money is slowly dwindling down just doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Gas isn't super cheap in this old van, so... True. But, uh, yes, whenever I whenever I need money, I can just always find a job, so... Mm-hmm. That's nice. What kind of things have, since you are a cook, what kind of things have you cooked in here? <sighs> cooked in here? I don't know. It's like, 
you can cook anything you'd make in a normal kitchen. I get kind of lazy and definitely, definitely eat a lot of fast food and just do ramen sometimes, just because cooking here could be a bit of a chore, especially if you're making like a, a big meal. It kind of makes your van smell like that meal for the next <laughs> several days if you don't air it out properly. But yeah, I don't know. I've done like roast chickens in here. I've That's done, wild. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just eat a lot of pasta, I guess. True. <laughs> kinda, That's so kinda cool. Kind of everything you could, uh, everything you can cook in a normal kitchen. I'm pretty confident I could, I could cook in here. Yeah. That's so cool that you can do that in a van. Yeah, it, it was sweet. Yeah, luckily it came with the oven and the the stove top. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. It, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty easy to cook stuff in here. Yeah. What about using the bathroom? What do you do for that? So that's the less glorious aspect of van life. You definitely utilize, like, you figure out where the public washrooms are in town. <laughs> and then so sometimes if you're camping out in the, the wilderness, because that's a lot of times where I camp, it's a little easier. And then, yeah, you s- use the woods or <laughs> in emergency situations, a little piss bottle. And <laughs> oh if you're in a residential area and you can't just go out on the street, you have to, you, know, you just pee in a bottle so (laughs) yikes yeah it's not all super glorious but it does pros and cons yeah true pros and cons so it's not always comfortable but you try and make it as comfortable as possible yeah true in general would you say that you're happy with this van life uh yeah i would uh it was like an it's an experiment for me and i'm glad i've tried it because I think if I didn't try it, I would I would always be be hesitant or regretful if I didn't try it. Yeah. But I think now I can say I've done it, and I enjoy it. It's fun. It's not like a long term project for me. Like I'm sure I'll eventually move out of the van, and especially if if the borders open back up, then I'll probably sell the van and use the money for for more trips. But mm-hmm. I would say overall, yeah, I'm very happy in the van because you do camp at some pretty beautiful places, mm-hmm. and you can kind of that is the perk of it you can just if you like a place you can just hang out for a couple of days or yeah if you have a beautiful spot you don't have to go back home to uh to your house because you can just park there and camp there if yeah. it's legal or sometimes not so legal to car- <laughs> park there yeah that's so so cool but then yeah on the flip side you get you do sleep in a lot of walmart parking lots and <laughs> yeah residential sure. areas so it's less glorious and you, you're not always camping in beautiful locations but i try and keep it 50 50 yeah that's good hmm. do you have any like good anecdotes from your life on the road so far yeah like little stories or yeah i don't know i haven't it hasn't been super exciting living in a van it's just kind of i would say it's my life hasn't really changed living in the van mm-hmm. like there's definitely been I think my life, my day-to-day life is pretty much the same as what it was always. Just trying to get outside as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think you just have less less days in in the van because you're not... Yeah, true. Some days you're just not feeling it. And, like, if you're living in a house, you just, oh, I just throw on TV and watch Netflix for the day. Yeah. And it's, like, not as comfortable. You can you can do that if you have some, some downloaded stuff. But, yeah, there's no Wi-Fi in here, so you're just... Mm-hmm. you're forced to read a lot of books and and then yeah you're just forced to be outside which is kind of good because then you just force you yeah, i'm into running and climbing and skiing so <laughs> yeah kind of it forces you outside yeah that's good i like that um what have your encounters with other van dwellers been like <sighs> i would say yeah generally they're definitely a, an interesting breed it's hard to pick because it's hard to pinpoint who lives in a van because you meet all sorts of people like there's old retired people who are just cruising around in the van mm-hmm. there's people who are just just doing it kind of the same reasons i am just you get the outdoor lifestyle and you just see a lot of your your country some people you meet are not doing it by choice and they're kind of <laughs> no, no. roughing it in the van it's not their ideal but it's just financially forced into their van and yeah you meet uh yeah guys and girls who are doing it and couples and older people so i wouldn't say there's one group of people who van life is attractive to it's just Mm -hmm. 
But that's what surprised me a lot of the most, I think, is the amount of people who do it. Because you do definitely pick out, like, sometimes you'll be driving down the street, it's like, oh, I think somebody's living in that van. You can just, you can just tell. Yeah. And, yeah, you do, you, you camp at these places where there's probably other campers because you use apps and places and media boards to find good spots to, to sleep. True. So a lot of times you're camping with other other campers and yeah usually they're they're like minded and mm-hmm. chill individuals. You get the occasional weirdo, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you met a family before, right? You were saying. Yeah, I met a couple families, and it's like it's crazy and inspiring to see that there's actually families like two parents, two kids living in a van smaller than this one. So really? It's, yeah, it's just wow. Like a little. Uh, little ford van or something and yeah they they make it work and homeschooling and yeah i guess it's just a alternative lifestyle that if you can make it work and your job's remote mm-hmm. and i think it'd be it'd be a great experience for kids just driving around you'd see a lot so yeah totally it would be exciting just a constant road trip mm-hmm. i can't if- i can't imagine you have little kids it'd be super great but yeah i guess it could work for the time being. Yeah. People do make it work, so. Mm-hmm. And, like, the families that you've met who've been doing this, it's, like, like they weren't forced into... No, yeah, it was definitely, uh, they were, they're just kind of doing it for the, the lifestyle, and they're outside a lot, and they want to get their kids in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think living in a van, you definitely live sustainably, because you're kind of keeping track of True. everything you use. You're always how much water I have left, mm. how much power do you have left, how much gas do you have left. So I think it, it forces you to be a little more sustainable. And I, from the last family I saw, they're, they're kind of explaining that their, to their kids. So I think that's, that's pretty neat. I think we need a yeah. little more of that. You're that's a little awesome. more aware of what you use. So if you can teach the kids that, then maybe those guys will solve the world's problems. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. I find it so funny that it's like, most people, when they choose to do van life, it's like they're downsizing and like downsizing their things. But for you, it's like, oh, I just had my bike, so like I wanted to have more stuff, so I got a van. Yeah, is de- that's definitely not common. I think most people <laughs> who move into a van are coming from like an apartment or something, and they're they're downsizing. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, I've never really had too many possessions, and I was like, man, this is kind of a space I can actually keep stuff in here. Because mm-hmm. I've lived in apartments and things like that, but it was always, I always knew my next trip was X distance away, so I'd never, like, I just had the furniture that was in there. Mm-hmm. If there's no furniture, I would just live sparsely. Oh, oh my gosh. What the heck? I would, yeah, I would, I would, so, th- so moving into a van is like, all right, I can actually kind of keep stuff and have stuff <laughs> for a while. Wow. But I mean, yeah. Once I go on another trip, then I'll probably sell all my stuff again. And oh my gosh, wow. Go back into the backpack. Simpler living. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's more simple than van life? Uh, backpack life, I guess. Yeah. Bike life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm curious to know, like, what about, like, your upbringing made you live so, like, minimalistically? <laughs> I don't know if there's one moment in my upbringing or that made me live so minimalist i think yeah my parents have always been kind of eco-conscious and you know i remember my dad as a kid so i was like yelling at you to turn off the lights if you're not in the room and that's good kind of yeah just keep your your water to like don't leave the taps running and so i don't know maybe that's transitioned into my my adult life my minimal life and then i think yeah i just i just don't need a lot of comforts i've kind of <laughs> yeah i've come to accept uh, accept that i have a yeah a pretty bare minimum comfort level mm-hmm. and uh you don't need a lot to to make that happen as long as you're yeah for me my ma- kind of main thing in life is just to be happy and yeah possessions for me don't really do that mm-hmm. not like a minimalist or anything but it's just i just enjoy experiences over things yeah that's good i like that yeah sounds pretty hippie but (laughs) that sounds extremely hippie i feel like everything you've said and 
done since I've met you has been quite hippy. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm going for, but I guess that is the lifestyle I live. <laughs> it's never what I've been one to actively pursue, but yeah, it's just how it's just how it works out. Just being yourself. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, some people might think that, but I'm not like a peace love and the world's great. But at, but like you sort of are. <laughs> I sort of am. Yeah. yeah. Not in a not in a hippie sixties hippie kind of way though. So twenty twenty yeah. kind of way. The modern modern nomad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that sums you up. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy my internet connection and I enjoy yeah mm-hmm. watching Netflix and things like that, but I don't need too much to to be happy. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Um, so I feel like a lot of people like want to travel and like dream about buying a van and like doing cross country trips and like all the things that you're doing. But I feel like very few people like actually go and make it happen. Um, your drive to like actually execute on things rather than just dream about them. Like, where does that come from? Uh I think it's kind of. So a go-to thing I always do is I'll always, if I have this idea, because uh, I don't know where I come up with these ideas, but probably just I stare at maps a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly formulating trips in my head. And then, yeah, I don't know, like some some ideas I'll have. And then my go-to is to always tell people I'm going to do them. So that way there's a sort of a, you have to stick to it. If you tell people you're going to do it, you have to do it. Or you at least have to try. Because I've definitely tried some trips and I've done it. And a couple, a couple weeks, a couple months into it, it's like, no, this isn't for me. So yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. I don't know if I'm doing it for like other people, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just, I would tell other people and it's like, even if you're not really feeling it, it's like, well, I now have to do it because <laughs> yeah. I've told people I'm going to do it or I'm at least going to attempt it. So yeah, it's kind of a weird, probably it doesn't always work out great, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I I always want to try things, and I have no problem accepting if they're not working out, then I can just go a different path. Yeah. But I do want to, I always wanted to try the van, and I'm glad I've I've done it, because, yeah, if I never did it, then I would always be wondering, like, Mm -hmm. what it would be like. Yeah. But now, now that I've done it, it's like, well, on the checklist. Yeah, totally. What's next? Yeah. That's a good way to go about things, like tell other people to like hold yourself accountable yeah i think for because i've done a couple trips and then even like coming up to the trips like oh this might be a little <laughs> ambitious but i've told somebody to do it so i'm gonna at least try my hardest yeah that's cool like yeah. what what trips made you feel that way uh, well I, d- I did a a bike trip through africa and i remember i don't know where <laughs> i came up with this idea it was very like not really planned so I went down to Southern Africa and cycled around there in the middle of summer. And I just remember, yeah, the, the days leading up to the trip, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, this is a <laughs> terrible idea. I was looking at the temperatures and they're like mid 40s, high 40s. It's like, this is going to be miserable. But <laughs> That is wild, yeah. But I'm like, well, I've told people I'm going to do it. And uh, I got my flight, so I'm going to try it for as long as possible. And it lasted a few months, and then, yeah. Months? I didn't know it was months in Africa. Yeah, I think the trip was about three, two, three months. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, and then one day I just, I woke up and just said, nope, it's not for me anymore. I'm done. Yeah. It was really a day-to-day thing, but I was in the middle of nowhere, so I still had to cycle to an airport, but. uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I just woke up one day, and I'm like, all right. Just gonna cycle to the next airport and go to the, go on the next trip. So you just like get a one way and then. Yeah, I I I've never had a return flight ever. It's oh always, my gosh! Because uh, I don't know where I'm gonna end. So I had yeah I had plans to go a lot further, but I made it all the way to uh, to Zambia, the Victoria Falls, and then ended in Lusaka. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like all right, this isn't working for me anymore. Let's go on another trip somewhere so you, else. you started in South Africa and... Yeah, so I did South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Oh my Just God. on my bicycle. That is like... 
Like, has anyone else in the world ever done that? Yeah, no, it's like, it's a definite, people have cycled around the world, people have, you meet some people, like, I met one guy, and this was kind of a moment of realization why it's not working for me, because I met a guy, he started in Europe, and he'd cycled down from the north of Africa, so we kind of met, I think we met in Botswana somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just remember you talking to him, and he was he was just stoked every day about it. I'm like, how are you? Because I was I was suffering. I was I was in rough shape. The heat was getting to me. The food wasn't super great, so I was kind of running low on food. And yeah, what did lot. you eat? <laughs> I just eat a lot of beans. <laughs> True. <laughs> gassy and sweaty because yeah yeah like sometimes you're cycling through little villages and like there's not a lot of food there to begin with so Mm, true you're not you're (laughs) not gonna you're not gonna have your western grocery stores that you can just wander into and have aisles and aisles of food and you get your choice it's kind of you just go into these little stores and these little little villages little mud shacks and it's like well you got one can of pop you got (laughs) Oh really? A couple cans of be- a couple cans of food, and uh, so your your selection's kind of limited because the local yeah the local population doesn't doesn't eat that well. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, this is this is what I'm eating, I guess. And then yeah, you'd have to kind of plan your route out because there's a couple of times you're going through the desert for long stretches, like three four hundred kilometers between villages. So you'd have to kind of plan your your calorie intake and how much water you're going to need, how oh much food gosh. you're going to need, and so how much did you bike each day? Uh, I th- probably my average was about 150 kilometers, and then some days you would, <laughs> some days you're not feeling it. You do a low day, so like 100k, and I think <laughs> I think probably my my biggest day was 220 something kilometers. That's like sick. That's so. like, do you ever think like I'm gonna die doing this? Mm, there was one point on the trip where I definitely thought I could be in a little bit of trouble because I was in. I was in Namibia going through the desert for a couple of days and then I kind of miscalculated my water consumption. So I definitely had minimal water and, and the next town is still a couple hundred kilometers away. And I was like doing the math on my water and it's like, ooh, this is going to be tight for water. <laughs> and then, yeah, eventually I got, just got to the point, I think it was about 48 degrees out in the middle of the day and you're cycling through the desert so there's no shade, it's just kind of barren, barren landscape. And I just remember feeling freezing cold like i was shivering so i just laid down the on the side of the road just laid in the sand kind of <laughs> didn't even didn't even unfold unroll my tent i just kind of took the tarp and laid it over top of me and then i had a couple emergency kind of electrolytes and i was yeah i think like laying in the sand going like this is not good i should not be freezing cold right now when it's high 40s <laughs> oh my god that's terrible that's like literally terrifying so so then after that, a couple nights, I would just kind of chill out throughout the day. So find some shade throughout the day, and then I would just ride throughout the night. Oh, really? So That's then, so scary. I mean, no, it's not scary at all. You're just, you're in the middle of nowhere, so nothing's going to happen. You're just in the desert, so. Nothing's going to happen. What about animals? Uh, you hear the occasional animal, like you can hear lions roaring. Oh, and... my God. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, no, it's not. It's a, uh, it's interesting, and yeah, you, I, I enjoyed riding in the nighttime. You can cover a lot more distance. It was less, uh, less hot or until you get attacked by a lion. No, you you hear him off in the distance. And you you just out of sight, out of mind. But no, it's cool cycling through the night. You see a lot more wildlife than what you see in the daytime. That's not what I want. <laughs> but you see kind of cool stuff. You see, I don't know, like little porcupines and antelope. There. And all, yeah, all sorts of animals that you would never see in the daylight because they, they're hiding away from the heat. So true. At nighttime, you almost get like the nighttime safari experience. That's so cool. And I feel like there are very few people in the world who've experienced that. No, like there's there's a few there's, people do do it. Wow. <laughs> I can't I can't claim to be the only one doing this. Man, and so yeah, you just like camped in Africa. Yeah, I think I. I had Not a, at campsites. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had a couple, I think I st- when I started my trip in Cape Town, I stayed in a hostel. And then at the end of the trip, I stayed in a hostel. And yeah, I, was, I would, kind of a go-to would be, sometimes you camp in 
like game lodges. So they have lodges mm-hmm. and they'll let you, for like 10, 15 bucks, they'll let you pitch your tent in the back as long as you're not seen by the, the main guests. Oh. So you can get a nice shower and a nice, kind of a good meal and a good beer. True. But yeah, most of the, most of the trip was just camping on the side of the road in the bush. <laughs> oh my you gotta, gosh. Kind of... Yeah, sometimes you're camping in game reserves, so you talk to the rangers and they'll tell you where's best to camp, or you can camp at a ranger station. And then, yes, a couple times you're like not in a great, great area, so you have to kind of hide in the woods from people because you don't want to come in contact with them. So, yeah, sometimes why? What would happen if you came in contact with people? Uh, I mean, most times people probably wouldn't do anything. It's just I, you get warnings from locals like, yeah, just don't don't camp here tonight because some areas there's bandits or sometimes you just get like drunk people want to come mess with you so you gotta bandits <laughs> what the heck? gotta be a little stealthier but wow. uh, yeah like when i was cycling along the so i went along the the angolan border and i was i luckily never ran into it so maybe the guys were just busting my balls but they said yeah sometimes people come over from angola like some bandits so <laughs> so there's a couple areas where you're like you gotta kind of keep it a little more discreet and you know, keep your campfires a little smaller and then how do you be discreet when it's like you're in africa and you're like a ca- white canadian dude <laughs> yeah i know there's definitely no blending in that's definitely not <laughs> happening but yeah sometimes you, you can't blend in it's it's strictly there's no there's no hiding the fact that you're a white dude cycling through. Yeah, sometimes you go through some some townships or some slums, and it's uh, yeah. Sometimes you, most times people are very friendly and welcoming, even though they have very little, and they'll share whatever little they have with you. Or likewise, you can share stuff with them. But uh, yeah, a couple times you face a little hostility. Like yeah, sometimes kids will just come out and start hucking rocks at you. Or... <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> so mean. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> What do you do? Like, just bike fast? You just, yeah, keep pedaling. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah, so if you're if you're warned about kind of a dangerous area to camp in, then you just have to be a little small and kind of a good go-to is, yeah, go to sleep late and then get up early. True. Because, yeah, people who want to cause you harm are not getting up early in the morning, so generally okay interesting good to know not that i'm ever gonna bike through africa like you did but noted and you told me this before but like how do you keep the animals away uh so yeah you kind of keep a fire going i'd have a fire every night when i could and just try and keep the fire going throughout the night so you gotta it's one thing about yeah being it so dry and so hot firewood is not hard to find so you just stack up a big pile for the night and hopefully it kind of kind of lasts throughout the night sometimes you'd you just sleep through and it would die out and luckily you didn't have too many encounters with animals but oh yeah gosh. and then yeah you just kind of have to to acknowledge that they're there not not ignorance is bliss this time but yeah acknowledge them but i think <laughs> not be scared of them is also the best how do you not be scared of a lion well, like if I luckily I never saw a lion in close proximity, so I would I knew they're there, but uh, yeah, I think if you just take the right safety precautions or what little you can, and hope for the best. So just like if you have a fire, the lions will probably not come. That's what I was told, so that's the theory I was going with. Who told you this? <laughs> just kind of people you meet along the way. And... Do you, oh, so you didn't plan, like, while you were in Canada, like, how do I, you never looked up, like, how do I keep the lions away? Uh, I don't know. I've, I've seen kind of, I don't know, documentaries or just, yeah, animals do not like fire the world over, so. Okay. Whether it's camping here for bears or camping in Africa, animals aren't a fan of fire. True. So, at least that's what I tell myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I haven't been eaten yet. That's good. But yeah, so you were saying to me before, like, you just have to, like, stay up kind of, like, every few hours and, like, add logs to the fire so that yeah. it doesn't burn out. So, yeah. But then just, one time it did. Yeah, a couple times it did. And, uh, yeah, the one time I was cycling through a game reserve, and the rangers told me that I should just camp at the ranger station because it was too dangerous to go on because there's a lot of lines in the area. 
But the next town was too far for me to make it in one day. So I said, well, if I, if I just camp here tonight, I'm going to have to sleep in the sleep in the reserve tomorrow at some point because I can't make it to the town. So eventually they accepted that and let me on my way. So yeah, I was camping in and yeah, with the, with the warning from the rangers definitely didn't calm my nerves. So I was pretty keen on keeping the fire going, but I fell asleep and slipped up and the fire went out. And then I yeah, woke up in the middle of the night to something sniffing the side of my tent. <laughs> so I was petrified in fear. I did, did not move. I just kind of froze. And it wandered around my tent for a couple of minutes, just kind of poking its nose in the side of my tent. And then, uh, yeah, luckily after a couple of minutes, it moved. So that was confidence that it was just a cow. Just, <laughs> oh it, was just, it was just checking me out. But... Uh, yeah, so I got lucky on that uh, on that encounter, but there's a couple times when you wake up and there's some some animal tracks around your tent, which <gasps> definitely weren't there the night you went to sleep. But uh, yeah, like some, what kind of tracks? I think at one point, probably the the most intense thing. I think I think I had a leopard at one point. <gasps> I'm not a I'm not a animal expert, but there was definitely some some smaller cat prints in the area. Oh and because uh, yeah, I don't, they, they're too small, too small to have been a lion. There's just one set of them, so I think it was it was probably a leopard. And I was yeah, there's there was leopards in the area, so uh, and yeah, I'm almost certain that they were not there when I set up my tent because they kind of surrounded my tent. So there's no way I set those up around them perfectly. Do you tell like do you tell your mom these things? Yeah, so I think that's why my parents trust me because I will tell my parents everything. But why would just, they trust you when it's just, like I put myself in a position to be eaten by leopards? See, I'll, I'll <laughs> tell them everything. And I don't know if they trust me, but at least they get reassurance. It's just not... It's just, You have to strategically mention it in conversation. Just like... Okay. You just be talking to them and, oh yeah, by the way, like... I heard lions last night, or, oh my or God. sometimes, sometimes, or not. You don't often tell them <laughs> at the time. Just like, oh yeah, heads up. I ran into some elephants on the road the other day, and it's all good. I, I survived it. It was like a week ago, but you just you slip it into casual conversation with your parents, and eventually they'll maybe they'll miss it. They usually don't, but uh, yeah, no, I tell them everything. So. And do they not, like, freak out? Like, my parents would literally, like, fry, fly to Africa and put me in a car and fly me home. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think may maybe they do, but they just keep it away from me. I wow. think, yeah. Between my parents, my grandma, she's also... <laughs> I've probably caused her a couple sleepless nights. I've, I would know that. But yeah. uh, I think yeah, they, have, they just have confidence that I should know what I'm doing. So I think... Do you know what you're doing? Not all the time. <laughs> Fake until you make it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's another key thing is if you're in a kind of a sketchy situation, you have to try and pretend like you know what you're doing. And then it'll work out. I see. Until you get eaten by an animal. <laughs> yeah, until until it doesn't, but that day hasn't happened yet. So Oh my gosh. These things like sound made up. Yeah, no, they uh, they do sound a little abstract, but and yeah, it's not like my life is con like I'm fending off lines. It's just it happened a couple times, and then it's a good story. You get you get a yeah. good story out of it. Yeah, like I literally don't. I don't know any Ontarians who <laughs> can say any of the things that you are saying right now. Yeah, it's just yeah, like you're not in Africa. You're not battling animals every day. Like mo a lot of the camps are just kind of insignificant. You're out. Mm -hmm. camping in a farmer's field or true so yeah no it's just but you do get the uh the occasional weird experience where you're you're in an area with more animals than most but yeah in africa there isn't actually that many animals it's not like there's lions everywhere oh. they're just in very concentrated areas true so i like how the, <laughs> the kids are throwing rocks at you that's mean why would they do that I, yeah I don't, i'm not sure I think uh, I was kind of yeah, cycling through a rougher part of town. I was just getting out of Cape Town, and there's some there's some dodgy areas in Cape Town, mm -hmm. some sort of the townships that they have there. So, yeah, I don't know. One day I was just riding past, and then these kids came out of 
no idea where they came from. Just some little, some shacks, some little back alleys, and then they started picking up <laughs> stones and throwing them at me. And <laughs> did yeah, they get you? Uh, I think they probably got me in the leg a couple times and maybe hit my bike, but oh luckily they were just small rocks, so they wouldn't have actually done any serious damage. That's me. And they're like, yeah, a little, little five to, I don't, I don't know, they're about, <laughs> I guess like five or seven years old, so they're not True. fastballing them at you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. So, wow. yeah, no, you, meet, uh, you meet all sorts of interesting characters on the road. Did you ever get lonely, like, just biking through? No, yourself? yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely a thing. I, I do a right by myself, and I, I generally don't mind being on my own, but yeah. loneliness is, is a thing regardless. Yeah. Like, whether it's, yeah, on my trips or even in the van. It's just, some days you just have those, those lonely days. Yeah, some days you'll just go, you just go days without talking to people. Just, yeah, if, you're out, <laughs> if you're out in the middle of nowhere you just kind of you're just like man i need human interaction because yeah but uh see so yeah, they do get lonely but you learn to kind of cope with it mm-hmm. and you know it's not permanent eventually True. you'll find somebody to talk to <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. so no there's definitely been a couple times when you go into a grocery store and uh you just like have a conversation with the the cashier and she's mm-hmm. like why are you talking to me and i'm like you're the first person i've talked to in like three days so please just talk to me oh my gosh wow. <laughs> you don't say that to them but they're, they're probably like what is this weird guy going on about just having a conversation with me and it's just like yeah no sometimes you just have conversations with with strangers <laughs> that is hilarious and then, yeah it's kind of weird but yeah sometimes you also just have conversations with yourself sometimes you yeah? just you just yeah because you have a lot of time there's one thing on the road. You just have a lot of time in your head. Yeah, so you true. Gotta, what do you think about that whole time? You think about everything. Like, yeah, everything comes up. There's nothing that's not on the table. Sometimes, yeah, you just... Yeah, it's hard to say what you think about. Sometimes you think about where I'm going to sleep tonight. And then sometimes it's completely random topics. Like, you'll just have a flashback or you just think of <laughs> think of some sort of element of life that you probably won't solve but you have a you have a couple days just to think about it wow i can't say i've ever experienced anything like that no i think i think it's uh i think it's good for people to be on their own yeah i think some people get very uncomfortable like they can be a very social person but if you can't i think if if you're not comfortable hanging out by yourself it's like you Mm -hmm. probably have you might seem very social and confident but i think if you can't I'm not saying people should just go for days on end without talking to somebody. <laughs> it's like, I, I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's happened a couple of times. Sometimes you're on a long backpacking trip, a long hiking trip, and you just mm-hmm. go by yourself. And mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes you just, I think probably the longest I've gone without talking to somebody was just like four or five days. Wow. That's a really long time. <laughs> and yeah, it's not like, it's not like I actively pursue that, but sometimes it's just, yeah, there's a long hike you want to do or there's something you want to do. And yeah. If you can't get somebody to do it with you, it's like, well, I'm not going to let that stop me. So that's good. Just go for it by yourself. And uh, yeah, I think I would recommend everybody not saying go days on end, but Mm -hmm. I think people have to be more confident with themselves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you'll you'll figure stuff out more. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, it's good to like make sure that you like like yourself. Yeah, I think that's very important. You have to be like confident in who you are. Mm hmm. Cause yeah, I'm I'm actually a very shy person, or I was I was a more shy person like in high school. Yeah. Only had probably a couple friends, and yeah, it just was very quiet. I think people would describe me as. And I'm still a quiet person, but uh, I've definitely doing these a lot of solo trips. You kind of figure yourself out more, and you yeah, totally. You just get yeah more confident in yourself, and then it it also boosts your. Uh, on the flip side, I think it boosts your, your social skills because you're like, well, yeah. I have to talk to somebody. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. I need it, literally. Even, yeah, it, it's like... Because I think when I first took my first couple trips, is like it terrified me the thought of social interaction with strangers. Yeah. And then you just be sitting in the hostel by yourself. You're like, well, this is going to be miserable if I'm going to do this for a couple months. So then you're True. just like, well, I have... Like, it just forces you to go and talk to people. 
So, yeah, that's how we met. So it's all good. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you just, you have to talk to somebody. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, go for a drink and see where it goes. Yeah, that's good. I feel like, yeah, it's good to be on your own, too, to, like, make sure that you're doing, like, what you want to do without, like... Because I feel like you're always just having, like, the influence of other people in regular life when you're, like, surrounded by people all the time or, like, you have your phone all the time. And it's good to, like, get rid of that and make sure you're doing, like, what is right for you. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it's also important, like, not saying consider what other people think of you, but social interaction is good and you should have, Mm -hmm. like, friends and and, uh, think consider what other people think of you, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's also yeah equally as important to be comfortable just doing your own thing. Yeah, definitely. And I would say, yeah, if you want to do something, but you don't have somebody to do it with, or like some people are telling you not to do it, I think if you want to do it, I think it's a pretty, it'd be a weird way to not, mm-hmm. to hold yourself back based off what other people think. Yeah. If other people think it's like a bad idea or, or you can't get a, a good group of uh, people to do it with. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're a social person and you wanted to go on a, a solo trip, solo trips are very rarely solo trips. Like, Yeah, that's you, very you, true. You, you probably start out by yourself, but you can literally go on a solo trip and just be alone at the airport and that's it. Yeah. You can definitely meet people. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you go, there's more remote places, but, yeah, I think solo trips are very rarely solo trips. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. You right, Brom. <laughs> but yeah, I want to get back to the van life a little bit. Um, All right. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about getting a van and living in it? Uh, any advice? Yeah. I would say if you're kind of hesitant about it, I think just go for it. If it's within your budget and you have the, the means to do it, just try it out. Worst case scenario, you're going to hate it. And I mean, yeah, it's not for everybody. You might, you might hate it and, but (laughs) your normal life isn't going anywhere. So it's always true. If you try something and it doesn't work out, there's like no shame in going back to what you're doing before. So I think, yeah, if you're, if you're questioning it, try it out and, uh, yeah, you might like it or you might hate it. It's, (laughs) it's probably going to go one of the two ways or you find kind of the happy medium. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely aspects of it that I don't enjoy, but uh, the pros are currently outweighing the cons. And I think once the once the cons stack up, and then I'd, I'd, I'd give it up. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, if people are hesitant about it or wanting to, or debating it, it's like, well, just, just go for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out, and you just you go back to what you're doing before. Yeah, very true. Yeah, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say I have any tips or anything, because... Yeah, all vans are different, and you just kind of depends on what what you're into and what your your main kind of goal is to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I I'm still figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. I probably I've, I've probably lived in this van for seven eight months combined, but uh, yeah, people have been doing it for years, and I think it's kind of a constant learning process. You yeah. Will, you, f- you just figure stuff out as you go. Yeah. How long do you think that you'll do this for? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I did when I moved into a, an apartment last summer, I, w- I didn't think I was going to move back into the van. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the, the kind of the desire to hit the road again came, and so I moved back in. So yeah, it's hard cool. to say. Yeah, one like it could just be one day I wake up and I'm not feeling it, and then I'll move back into a house. Mm-hmm spontaneous life you're living (laughs) yeah i I guess so Mm -hmm. that's cool though um what's been the best part about van life best part about van life is definitely the the places you see i think you you see a lot and then you can you can kind of commit more time to there Mm -hmm. like that's why i'm in tofino right now i didn't really have a i knew i wanted to go west but i just was taking it day by day and if you like a town you hang out there for a couple days and yeah, I'm, I'm into a lot of outdoor sports, so you can kind of go to these remote trails or hit different ski resorts or different climbing areas that you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't normally be able to if you weren't. Uh, I guess you could if you're just driving around, but the van kind of lets you commit to a place a little longer. 
So yeah, that's why I enjoy about it. And yeah, you do sleep in some pretty beautiful locations. Like sometimes you just wake up and you're in the middle of nowhere. You're just like out in some fields or out in the mountains or you can camp on a nice lake. And it's just like, this is, this is high-end living. And it's just, yeah. this is a beautiful spot and no, there's nobody else around or sometimes there are people around. But uh, yeah, I think the, the amount of place, cool places you can sleep definitely make the shitty places you sleep worth it yeah that's cool i like it um what would you say is the worst part about van life uh well last winter was definitely the cold the cold kind of kicked my ass but uh you do in a weird way kind of get used to it like you just have to really plan out your day a little bit more and you eventually you do get used to sleeping in like minus 30s, minus 40s. Oh my God. I wouldn't say I ever look forward to it, but it's always like, well, I've done it before, so I can do it again. It's oh just a night. <laughs> you just got to fall asleep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, kind of the constant. Sometimes the, the repairs can be a little annoying. Sometimes you have a trip plan and then a big repair happens, so you, your budget gets a little skewed. And, you it is kind of weird being on the road at all times. Like, you don't... I, w I have a friend group, but uh, I'm probably a terrible friend and don't, like... <laughs> I don't stay in great in great contact with some of them. and But I think they accept, they have to accept that, and uh -huh. I, they do. So, yeah, I think probably the loneliness, and sometimes you're just... You're not exactly where you want to be camping, or... Yeah, sometimes you're not where you want to be, but part of the the highs and lows mm -hmm. but the highs outweigh the lows right yeah currently the highs are outweighing the lows but mm -hmm. there will definitely be lows so i think anybody going into the van life i think if you have like a couple shitty nights and you bail on that it's like well you you gotta at least like give it a chance yeah and kind of because there is cool stuff and there's cool things to see it's just you're gonna have to accept there's gonna be some shittiness yeah Definitely. But that could be said for any any time in life, so yeah. in a van or not, so that's true. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in being a van life man? Biggest lesson I've learned. Mm. Man, I don't know. <laughs> that's a biggest lesson I've learned. I would say just take it slow. I think, yeah, for me in the van, it's like I'm never in a rush because the van is super slow. <laughs> so I never really, I have, I'll set kind of a, a rough idea. And this is, this is being said for most of my trips, but I'll have a kind of a rough plan. But I think the van enables you to be, to be loose with your plans. <laughs> so I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is just have a rough plan, but don't, don't, uh, don't get too up about it if it doesn't go to plan or sometimes better things will pop up and you have to be easily able to change your, your mindset or change. Don't be fixed on one thing if sometimes better things pop up or yeah. cool things pop up. And uh, yeah, just don't stress the, the little stuff because things are going to go wrong. So you just mm -hmm. have to take them as they come. Yeah, don't worry about the future ones because I know there's going to be more problems with the van. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm not really looking forward to that happening, but it's going to happen at some point. So you just got to take it as they come. Yeah. So van life has made you more like flexible. Yeah, I think flexibility is key. You have yeah. to be, I think a rough outline, kind of where you want to see yourself going would be, is good. But mm -hmm. like being flexible and yeah, not sweating the little stuff because sometimes things very rarely go like according to plan, but you just have to accept that. And sometimes that works out for the better. Sometimes they're, it, uh, you do cool stuff that you didn't see coming. So, mm -hmm. cool. I like it. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't want to take up all your time. This cool. is a good, that's another thing about, that's another thing about the van life. You have all the time <laughs> yeah, in the world. True. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's my, quite nice. My evenings just are generally just spent just lounging in the van, may have a fire, just yeah, 
a lot of sitting around. Yeah. So, yeah, time. You have a lot of time in yeah. your van. Okay, good. Because I, yeah, I have another non-van-related question. But right. I was just thinking, like, what has compelled you to take on the crazy trips that you have taken on? Ooh, crazy trips. Like, see, people see them as crazy. But for me, it's like, I don't even consider it crazy. And it's just like... That's like the, it is, that, though. <laughs> that's the style of trip I enjoy doing. So I think for some people it's crazy, but once you've done a couple of them, they're they're really not that crazy. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's not the stories I tell. It's like it's a very small portion of a day. So yeah. I might tell a story and it lasts. It's about a five minute event mm-hmm. over a couple weeks. So I think, yeah, for the most part, they're not super crazy. Like, I think most people will see them as, like, either a a hard physical feat or a hard... Sometimes they're a little hard mentally, but uh, I think once you you do them and you realize they're they're very much doable. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably... I can't even remember what the original question was, but... (laughs) Uh, What was it? (laughs) It's... Something. What compels you to do these crazy trips? Well, they're not. They're not crazy to you. That's the thing. No, like I think. Well, I was lucky. I was fortunate growing up. My parents always took me on trips, mm-hmm. so I definitely got the travel bug from a young age. And they were. They never did like the all-inclusive resorts or anything. So we always did. Uh, yeah, it was higher-end trips than what I'm currently doing. We were always staying in hotels and usually touring around Europe or, or Canada and an RV, but. Uh, I think, yeah, it's just kind of been a, a general progression from that. It's like, well, now mm-hmm. now I've done, I think once you do one and then you you know where your limit is. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for me, I, I very much like pushing my limits and seeing like, well, I've done this. Let's try and do this. And I sometimes see. I can't. So, but. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you almost die. <laughs> no, I've never like had serious, really close encounters with uh... death, but. <laughs> if you're freezing and it's almost 50 degrees, that's kind of close to death. Yeah, it's... And nobody's around. <laughs> or, like, if, like, a leopard is around yeah. your tent, it's pretty I mean, close to death. It's a rough afternoon, but... Oh, my God. You just take it day by day. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I would be stressed if I were your parents. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. I mean, I've, I've probably caused them some sleepless nights, but mm-hmm. I think they've they've accepted it now. And I'll at least show them some sort of planning or try and have some sort of rough idea. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I, I do try and stay in contact with them mm-hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. Like how often do you call them? Uh, I would say like on my trips, I will, if I'm in a remote area, I'll at least shoot them a message every time I get Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, yeah, I think we, we kind of have the agreement I probably call them every couple weeks. Okay. Like yeah, if I think if they didn't hear from me for like a couple weeks, like no messages or anything, then they'd probably start to worry. But mm-hmm. sometimes if I'm going out into like a a remote stretch area where I know there's gonna be no internet and I know like contact them is not gonna be possible, I'll give them a heads up beforehand. Like hey, I'm going into I'm doing this this hike or doing this. There's not gonna be any internet that I don't think so. I might be off the grid for a couple weeks. So if you don't hear anything, don't worry. If it goes to like a month, then uh, I'm probably dead. But Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't got to that problem yet, so I think they, they can they can agree to that. I hope that you don't I have will. to get to that problem. Yeah. They, can, uh, they can accept that. I, I contact them as much as possible. Yeah, that's good. So, And I'll, I'll always warn them beforehand if it's going to be a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. True. Or try to, anyways. Hey, hey, hey. You would be a stressful son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope my kids aren't like this if I ever have any. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, last two questions that right. I ask everybody. The first one is, what is something you've been learning lately? Something I've been learning lately? Well, I guess, like, lately, lately, definitely been surfing. Definitely been getting humbled yeah. by that. Because mm-hmm. uh, I've surfed a couple times in the past, but yeah, just going out in the 
But the other day when we were out, those are some big wins. I've definitely never yeah. said anything that big. So that was that was a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. So that's scary. A, it's a progression, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's been my most that's kind of my most recent passion. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, I'm I'm really keen to to learn and improve my skills. So Yeah, that's a good one. I think. Yeah, I mean it's not philosophical, but just just surfing yeah no i like it i'm on the same page I'm trying to learn as much as possible about surfing yeah i'm exactly the same right now um okay then the last question is what's the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far <laughs> what you ask that to everybody yes <laughs> <laughs> biggest life lesson i've learned to date Mm-hmm. Whew. that's like a deep one Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh biggest life lesson i've learned to date i think it's probably what i already said yeah just don't don't sweat the little things I, i'd like to think i'm a pretty laid-back person mm-hmm. and i think yeah when i see people get so worked up about things that are just out of their control it's like why would you why does that occupy so much of your mind or you get so worked up over something that's completely out of your control mm-hmm. so i think just kind of prioritizing your problems Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna live a a lot happier, st- st- stress free life if you just don't really worry about the little stuff mm-hmm. and kind of only really get worked up about real problems. Which I think most people don't have too many like significant problems. I think people obviously do have problems, but I think in the grand scheme of things, people think I have all these problems when they could probably will. At least a couple of their problems off the list. They're probably not yeah. serious problems. It's true. So I think that would be that would be my big one. That's a good one. <laughs> don't sweat the small stuff. And don't, it's all small yeah, stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff, yeah. Yeah. It's a book title. That's good. Yeah. I like it. All right, well, cool. yeah, this, is, this has been cool. Yeah, thank you so much for being on my podcast. This is an interesting one. My first podcast Yay. in the van, the podcast recording studio. Yeah. We're at nice the candlelight because we ran out of power. So. Yeah, yikes. <laughs>